this is where we're live from 2018 Scribbles Festival from the Conversation Caravan. How old were you when you realised you wanted to be an author and illustrator for a profession? Goodness. Now, um, yeah, I've been, I've been talking about this uh, a lot. Um, and um, I think I think maybe I was about five years old. And it's because my uh, dad was a vicar and I used to have to go to church every Sunday. And I fidgeted a lot. I wasn't good. Um, and my mum said, look, if you stop mucking about and fidgeting, uh, you can draw during your during dad's sermons. And I said, it's a deal. So I used to be, I'd behave myself and then I'd draw during my dad's sermons. And there was uh, my best friend at church called Mrs. Stock. She used to feed me wine gums. Now, guy, you probably think, well, you know, wine gums are lollies. They're, yeah. They're, yeah. Uh, she would feed me wine gums and I would give her pictures in return. And I think that's when I decided I wanted to be uh, someone who drew pictures and was fed wine gums. Good deal. A very good deal. So... In your Goth Girl series, which is um, great books, by the way, you've used a lot of parody. Oh, yes. What do you think it par- the parody contributes to the story? That, uh, Schulte, really good question. Uh, what does it contribute to the story? It sort of makes me laugh. I know, it's terrible. My wife will sometimes come into the studio and she'll find me giggling and she'll say, you're laughing at your own jokes again, aren't you? And I'll feel very, very silly. Mm. So really, the short answer to that, I'm not quite sure, but it makes me smile. And I do quite like funny names. That's often quite fun. That's often a starting point for me. I put myself in one of my, my goth girl books. I'm, I'm a very distinguished um, canine caricaturist. Um, I draw dogs at literary dog shows. And I'm called Sir Christopher Riddle of the Sphinx, RA. <laughs> um, I, I, I hope I haven't flattered myself too much, but there I am. Um, and I don't know. I think just drawing always makes me smile. Drawing funny things makes me smile. And I always start the stories that, that, uh, that I write with pictures. And so I draw a cast list, and then uh, the funnier the better. Lots of puns and parodies. And then I see where I go with it. I went to the Scribblers Talking Books for Young Adults last night and you said you based the look of Goth Girl on your friend's daughter, Moena. Has she read the books and is she proud to be the image of Goth Girl? Do you know, I think she is, actually. Now, Moena lives in Norfolk in the east of England and when I wrote the first Goth Girl book, Moena, I think was eight. Um, She's got two sisters, an older sister and a younger sister and I've dedicated the the other two books to to Moena's older sister, um, uh, Connie, and her younger sister Frances, so they're, they're, they're now all in the book, so I think that's fair. Um, and Moena is now, I think, must be around sort of uh, 16, just taking some of her exams, and I'm going to see her next month, I'll see her, and I'm going to ask that question. I'll say, Guy, ask me at the Scribblers Festival, are you proud to be in my books? If she says no, I'll be very disappointed. <laughs> So, do you have any inspiration for Lord Goth? Did you think... There was an inspiration, and that that was um, the famous poet Lord Byron. And and Lord Byron lived 200 years ago, was, was, you know, basically a a rock star poet. You know, everyone thought he was absolutely amazing. He had quite a bad reputation, and people used to say that Lord Goth, his ex-girlfriend, described him as being mad, bad, and dangerous to know. 
and I thought that sounded very interesting. And I thought I want to write about a character a little bit like Lord Byron. So I based Lord Goth on Lord Byron. But Lord Goth likes to um, tr- go around his country estate composing poems like Lord By- Byron, the famous poet. But Lord Goth composes poems and to help him um, with inspiration, what he does is he takes his old-fashioned musket and he blows the heads off statues. Um, because it helps him compose his poems, and he gets a terrible reputation for being uh, mad, bad, and dangerous to gnomes. I know, I'm just terrible. It's terrible, I'm sorry. That's, uh, that's how it all began, yes. <laughs> how did the idea of Goth Girl come to you? Well, I think I wanted to put lots of lots of silly things in, like Lord Goth and Mad, Bad and Dangerous and Gnomes, and I wanted to have lots of 18th century characters with funny names and big hair and, and, and all that stuff. So um, I think I've just built it round that, and there's a beautiful, beautiful house near where I live in Sussex. It's called Petworth House, and I wanted to include that in, 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 my, uh, in my Goth Girl uh, books. And so... Ghastly Gorm Hall is based on Petworth House. It looks a little bit like that very grand country house and it's got a an east wing and it's got a west wing and it's got a central wing with a dome and then at the back it's got the rather old and crumbly broken wing. That's where all the old old sort of rooms and things are. And I thought as a big big country house it would be so big there are so many rooms you don't know who is coming to visit and who is still staying who isn't staying. I thought that would be a good setting for a lot of crazy stories. Which process comes first, your illustrations or the story? Always the illustrations go. I think that's what I enjoy doing most. Um, I'm only, I only write stories when I can't find a writer to write them for me. And sometimes when I have an idea for, for a sort of funny story, and I can't get a writer to write it for me. I sit down, I write it myself, really hard work. But I always begin with the pictures because that's what I enjoy most. I've got a picture of one of your illustrations here from the Scribblers Festival today, actually, your mural. Ah, yes. Where did you think up um, a fashionable (laughs) resident of Perth from Murphy? Oh, right, right, yes. Well, well, that is uh, the wonderful David Astle has compiled some fantastic Western Australian slang words. At least that's what David told me. He might have just made them all up. You see, because I've I've met quite a few people who are going, oh, we haven't heard of that slang expression before. So, you know, who knows? But I thought it would be really good fun to write them all out on the wall and then imagine what those slang terms might mean for me. And I thought Murphy sounded like a, did sound like a very fashionable person in Perth, possibly. I I was in Perth last night and I walked past um, a bar and they were playing the most amazing music and everyone in there was sort of dancing to music I hadn't heard since the early 1980s. I thought this is so fashionable. Very, very fashionable indeed. When writing a book, what do you find most challenging? Uh, The writing. It's very challenging. Um, And I write all my books out. I don't use a computer. I use a pen. And when I write, I print my words. In, 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 I don't handwrite, I just print, print my words um, because I find it easier to write that way, I don't know why uh, but I'm, I keep stopping and, and getting stuck and whenever I get stuck I just do a little picture next to my, my words and that helps me um, write but it's, it's very hard writing, drawing's easy, I, I really enjoy drawing, it's the words that are difficult Do you remember what your first drawing was? Um, 
I, I do, I do. I'm, I'm not proud of it. Um, I was about three, and I had a box of crayons, a lovely box of crayons, and I did have a very enjoyable afternoon when I was three, uh, scribbling all over my dad's study walls. Um, it was very beautiful, very beautiful, abstract um, a piece of work. I got into terrible trouble. I always remember, you know, and even as I was doing it, I was thinking... Maybe I shouldn't. You know, when you're very young, you sort of know maybe that's not it. And, but, but it was so much fun, I just did it anyway. Um, but then after that, my mum always made sure I had lots and lots of paper and things to draw with. So she knew that that's what I enjoy doing most. Who inspired you to become an author and illustrator? Well, I went to Brighton Art School when I, I left school. And I was taught by an amazing man called Raymond Briggs. And Raymond Briggs wrote, uh, yeah, um, Sholte, he, he wrote uh, The Snowman, which is just one of my absolute favourites. He wrote a book about Father Christmas, very grumpy Father Christmas, loved that. He wrote an amazing book called Where the Wind Blows, which I, if you haven't read, I do, you know, say, do go out and buy. It's an amazing book, all about nuclear war. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Oh, yes, it is, isn't it? And, and, and so he taught me, and I, I thought, my goodness, that's what I want to do. I want to do what Raymond um, does. And so he was being a big influence on me. And every so often, I, I have lunch with Raymond. So, um, and so even after all these years, I can still sort of come to uh, sit down and have lunch with Raymond. We can talk about books. How are you able to draw so fast and precisely? Because I don't really think about it. Um, I... Um, I think I've been drawing so long now. Um, I left art school in, 80, uh, in 1984. So I've been drawing, and I've been drawing ever since I was three. Um, and so I don't really think about it at all. And I say to anyone who's interested in becoming an illustrator or an artist, I say, get a sketchbook, get a special sketchbook, make it your own private sketchbook, and draw on it every day. And you don't need to show your teachers, and you don't need to show your tutors. Just keep it to yourself and draw anything you like. And have fun with drawing, because I think drawing, I always say, drawing is a, a verb, not a noun. It's not about the drawing. It's about actually doing the drawing. If you're enjoying doing the drawing, it doesn't matter what it looks like. And a lot of people stop drawing when they get to a certain age because they think, I can't draw. I, that's not good. Enough. And I love people who just don't mind that and just carry on drawing. I love drawings that are strange and awkward and, and, and not what you expect because they're the best sort of drawings so when I draw I just draw whatever I want and I don't mind what it looks like I love reading real books but do you think Kindles will take over from real books by the time I am an adult no no and um, because of people like you who love real books so you won't let that happen and I think we all love real books, don't we? Because I think what you can do is you can find lots of interesting things online. You can find something interesting. You read it online think, yeah, that's great. But actually what will happen is you'll go, I enjoyed that story. I'm going to go and find that story in a book because I can keep that and I can put it on my shelf and it'll look beautiful and it might even have sprayed edges. They're very beautiful things. It might have some foil on the cover. It might have some really lovely illustrations. And the brilliant thing about a book, unlike a Kindle, is that um, you don't have to recharge it. It's fantastic, isn't it? Um, and, you know, you can, you can collect books, whereas it wouldn't look great. Collecting Kindles, that doesn't really work, does it? So, so, no, I think real books will never go away. They are brilliant things. And it's great fun to, to look at things online and, and see stuff, but always come back to the real book. Have you ever written a book for adults? 
do you think that you prefer writing children's books because you would like reading as a child? Yes. That's a, that, again, great question, Shalta. Yeah, absolutely. I think whenever I write, I think about the sort of book that I would have liked to have read when I, I was young. And I also think about my children and I think of the sort of things they enjoyed. And I also think of, of my readers. When I meet readers at, at, at festivals, I wonder what, what they would like to, to read. And you know, if I sit in my studio you know, giggling to myself about some of the jokes I'm putting in my books and stuff. Well, that's one thing, but I never think that what I've written is real until I actually meet someone who's read the book. So coming to the Scribblers Festival for me is really special because I get to meet real people who've read one of my books, and then that makes the books feel real. Up until then, I'm just this strange man who sits at the bottom of my garden giggling at his own jokes. So. <laughs> If you were to tell a story about the last time you climbed a tree, would it be a tragedy or a comedy? It would be both, actually. Um, it would. Uh, so what happened was that I uh, there was an old elm tree in my village in in, um, in Worcestershire in England. It's a beautiful village I lived in, and I climbed up with my brother. I climbed up this tree because it had it was a hollow tree. It had a, it was um, I think um, it it wasn't a, it was a dead tree, but it was still stable. You could climb it. It was really good for climbing. And I climbed up with my brother, and he was very good at climbing trees. And then we climbed down inside the tree because it was it was so exciting because it was hollow inside. And we climbed down, and then my my brother climbed back out of the tree and said, "Come on." And I couldn't climb back out of the tree. <laughs> I could, I just, I, you know, I couldn't. And I spent, must have spent hours while my brother just gently, like, you know, just gently said, now hold on to that bit and hold. So he gently coaxed, and it, it sort of was turning into a tragedy. I was thinking, I will never get out of this tree. I'll be trapped forever inside this tree. But he did just gently coax me out. So it took a very long time. I'm not sure I've climbed a tree since then. It was quite traumatic. Yeah. Now, look, does climbing rocks at Rotnest no. Island count? No. Because it's I did climb one yesterday, tree, and, and like I fell off it. And can you see? Look, I, I, there's a little rip in my in my trousers. Oh, you're harsh. If you could be invisible for a day, what would you do? I think I would sort of be invisible. Um, yeah, and and when I was at school in Bristol, actually, my thing I wanted more than anything was to be invisible. I just, you know, not to be, Agreed. not to stand out, you know, not to like, the, oh, that's that new kid over there, you know, the kid in there, like the new blazer. I didn't want to be that kid. So what I used to do, I had this like cunning plan and it was like trying to be invisible. I thought if I, you know, I'm the new kid, I've got this new blazer, it stands out a bit. What I'll do in the, in, in the, in the school playground, I'll find another kid with a blazer that looks as new as mine. And what I'll do is I'll try and blend in in case anyone points me out. So what I used to do is like, f I remember at school finding another kid with a new blazer and I'd just follow that kid around. And I thought that meant I blended in. Instead, I just became that mad kid who was following other kids around the playground. <laughs> you know, it had the opposite effect of being invisible. So I've always had that ambition. I think I'd just enjoy it, uh, Sholta. I'd just have a lovely time. Yes, well, thank you very much for letting us interview you. Now let us go and watch you climb a tree. Yeah. Oh dear. Okay. Well, there's always a you know a, a price for this thing. It's been yes. a really lovely. Thank you so much. I'll try not to fall out of that tree. <laughs> yeah.